morning. So good to see all of you today. Welcome to Fort Caroline Baptist Church. And if today's your first time with us, I especially want to welcome you. I've already had a chance to meet a few of our first-time guests, but I didn't get everywhere. So my name is Ricky. I'm the lead pastor here at Fort Caroline, and we are pleased that you have joined us today. And if we can answer any questions you have about our church, at the end of our service, uh, I'll be at the back at our What Is Your Next Step area, along with some of our guest services, volunteers, and we just want to assist you in any way that we can. But thank you for spending this morning with us. Thank you for allowing me as well to be gone last week. John did a great job in preaching, and I listened to the message, and it was a great message in this series called DNA, the Core of the Local Church. Donna and I took off because we were celebrating our 28th wedding anniversary, so we just went to Savannah and hung out there. Yes, it's amazing she has put up with me that long, so you ought to give her a hand. Um, but we had a great time, but we missed you, but it's good to be home And today, we want to continue in this series. Now, if you're new to our church, we preach in series. So we'll pick a topic, or we'll pick a passage of Scripture, or even a book of the Bible, and we'll just spend a few weeks in it. And so this series is called DNA, the Core of the Local Church, because we want you to understand who we are and the mission of our church, and then more practically, how we live out that mission, and how we help you live out that mission in your own personal life. And the... Uh, message today is called How to Help You Grow in the Word. And in just a moment, we'll be in the book of Matthew chapter 7. And I'll put the uh, words on the screen, but there's nothing like seeing it with your own copy of God's Word, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and following. Now, to set the stage for this series, we talked in the first week about the mission of our church and how that we were given that mission by Jesus himself. We went to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, where we heard Jesus answer the question, what is the greatest commandment in the Bible? And remember, he said, the greatest commandment is this, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He was quoting from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 5. And so he's saying the first and greatest commandment is that we love God supremely. God has to be number one in our lives. And so we worship God and we praise God by how we live for him and we serve him. But Jesus went on. He said, the second greatest commandment is like the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then we went to Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. And we saw Jesus before he went back to the Father in heaven. He has already been crucified, buried, resurrected. He spent about 40 days with his disciples and he's going back to heaven. So as they worship him... He says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, baptizing those disciples in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And then he gave us that great promise, and I'm always with you, even to the end of the age. And so based on the great commandment to love God supremely and to love our neighbor sincerely. And based on the great commission where Jesus sent us out to make disciples in the world, our church has a very simple mission statement. We love helping people reach higher by helping them love God, love others, and serve the world. And we want to be known as a church that helps people love God, love others, and serve the world. Now that begs the question, how do do we do that? How exactly do we seek to help you love God, love others, and serve the world? And so there are four ways that we try to help you do that. And John 
touched on that first way last week is that we seek to encourage you and to inspire you and to give you an environment in which you can worship God. Worship God sincerely when we gather together, but also worship God as a way of life, even outside the worship service that we have on Sunday mornings. And then today I'm going to pick up on the second way we try to help you, and that is by growing in the Word of God, growing in our knowledge of God's Word. In fact, we've come up with four G's to kind of help us uh, remember and help you remember what we do. So we, we gather and we grow and we give and we go. That's how we do the love God, love others, serve the world. We want you to gather for worship. We want you to grow in the Word. We want you to give of your time and talent and treasure to the work. And we want you to go to the world with this good news that we have about Jesus. So it's very simple. That's what we do around here. We love God, love others, and serve the world by gathering, by growing, by giving, and by going. Well, today I want to talk about growing in the Word. And I want to start by commending you. I want to commend you for being here this morning. Because you being here, to me, is an evidence that you want to grow. You want to become the person that God wants you to be. You recognize the importance of God and living for Him, not only on Sundays, but every day of your life. And I commend you for that. And you're also here knowing full well you're going to have to listen to me talk for about 30 minutes. Okay, 40 minutes. (laughs) And you still came. And I think the reason is, for most of you, if not all of you, is you sincerely want to grow in the Word. And I commend you for that. But I also want to caution you, that's not enough. Being here, and even listening to me, is not enough. Many of you go to life groups, and you're a part of a group where you study the Bible together, and you pray together, and fellowship, and hang out together, and you try to do life together as God would have us to do it. I commend you for that, but even that's not enough. There's a missing element. There's a missing step if we're going to really grow. It goes beyond attending services or Bible studies and hearing the Bible taught. There are many people that love to go to Bible conferences. And there are many people that love to take notes whenever the pastor or the teacher is sharing truths from God's Word. There are people that will go to conferences and hear high-powered preachers that they love. There are folks that have their their favorite preacher on podcasts. I mean, it's me and then there's others. That you have in your playlist. And you just love studying the word of God. Some of you have even studied the word of God formally. You've gone to school. And maybe you've had classes in religion. Or or Old Testament or New Testament. Maybe you've gotten a Bible college degree. Maybe you've gotten a master's degree from seminary. Or even a doctorate. Um, Wonderful. That's not enough. If you want to grow and be the person that God wants you to be. That is not enough. There's a missing element that I'm afraid is a part of many followers of Jesus' lives. And they they haven't taken that next step to really grow. And so when they struggle in life, they, they blame God. God, I go to church, and God, I read my Bible, and I don't understand why I'm going through these problems. Maybe, just maybe, it's because there's something missing. And this cannot be missing if you want to grow And become the person that God wants you to be in every relationship of your life. And what is that missing element? Well, Jesus will tell us in the passage that we're going to read today. And so I want to take you to Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And in order to set the stage for this, this is called the Sermon on the Mount. 
It's because Jesus was on a mountainside. He gathered there with his disciples. But the crowds of people in the surrounding communities heard that Jesus was there and they followed him there. And some of them got there before him and they were waiting to hear him teach, wanting to see a new miracle, just couldn't wait to see what Jesus would do next. And so he preaches a sermon. He teaches a Bible lesson to the crowds of people. But it's a Bible lesson that is really geared towards an immediate audience. Not the great crowds of people, but his 12 disciples who had made the commitment to follow Jesus. In fact, the Bible says in the beginning of this sermon, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, as you know, starting with chapter 5 in Matthew's Gospel. And so it says that, yeah, the crowds were there, but Jesus gathered with his disciples and said to them, this message has an immediate audience. It's anyone who says, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm in. Count me in. He's my master. He's my Lord. Count me in. And so he talks to them. It just so happens to be there are a lot of other people listening. And it's a very practical sermon that he teaches. Yes, he gives theology, truths about God the Father. But he gets very practical in this Sermon on the Mount. I mean, he gets down to the nitty-gritty about... Hey, you want to live a life that God can bless? Here's how. Here's how you ought to pray. Here's how you ought to control your anger. Here's what God says about marriage and divorce. Here's how you handle it when people take advantage of you. Here's what you do when people have misused you and you need to forgive them. Oh, by the way, guys, it's not just adultery to sleep with a woman. You look on her with lust and you're already guilty in your heart. He gets very practical. In his teaching about living as a disciple of Jesus in the kingdom of God. I mean, he gets down to the daily issues of life. And he's not saying you need to earn your salvation by doing all of these good things. And if you do all these things, then you will get into heaven. No, the Sermon on the Mount was not given so we earn our salvation. It was given so we express it. So we express our faith in Jesus. We express what it looks like to live for him and to be a part of the kingdom of God. But Jesus is concerned that all the people listening to him, including those 12 disciples, have been saying, Amen. Yes. Amen. Maybe some of them were taking notes. But Jesus is concerned because that's not enough. It's not enough to say amen and to take notes and to get head knowledge. It's not just what you know that Jesus is concerned about. It's what you do with what you know. So to illustrate the importance that real life transformation, where we're going to become the people that we know deep down we need to be and that God wants us to be, is going to only happen as we apply the Word of God to our lives. So he gives them a parable. He gives them a story. A parable is a story using earthly examples in order to teach a spiritual lesson. And he gives the parable of two builders, two people who are going to build homes for themselves. And he begins in Matthew 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and, in the English Standard Version, what are those next two words? Say it out loud. Exactly. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. 
might want to underline that, practices them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus is saying, I'm so glad you've listened to my sermon. But I want to tell you, everyone, how many people? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, puts them into practice, applies them to their own personal life and situations and ethics and decisions. Every person who hears these words of mine and actually does what I'm teaching is like a wise man who built his house on a firm foundation, on the rock. So Jesus is saying, it's not enough to say amen. It's not enough to say, man, I haven't missed five Sundays. I've been five Sundays in a row. It's not enough to say, I wish they would go back to the good old days where they gave those attendance pins that I could wear showing that I have not missed a week of my Sunday school class in eight years. Look at me as I wear my badge. Are you in the military? No, I attend Sunday school regularly. You've been in combat? Well, maybe, but it's really just for Sunday school. Oh, look at all the notes I take when Pastor Ricky teaches. Look at all the Bible studies I've gone to. Come, look at my shelves at home. I've got all these books on theology. Jesus says, that's not enough. The missing element is the second step. You hear what I say, then you heed what I say. You put into practice what I'm teaching you. This, Jesus says, is not just about information. It is about transformation through application. You've got to apply my word to your life. And that's a wise decision that you'll make, is to apply my word to your life. And listen, I can look at my life and I can promise you all the foolish times of my life have been when I did not apply God's word to my life and I did things my way. That's when I mess up. That's when I get in trouble. That's when I'm not what I know I ought to be. It's when I fail to put into practice what God has for me. Jesus says you must do them. This goes beyond attendance. This goes to application. That's why sometimes you'll hear people give their testimony about how their lives began to change through the power of Jesus. And you'll hear a common thread. They'll say, you know, someone invited me to a church service. And I didn't really want to go, but I came anyway. And you know what? For the first time, I actually heard someone teach the Bible in a way that I could relate to. And, and they... They, they not only taught it in a way that captured my attention, I thought they were talking to me. I thought this guy knew I was coming. I thought, did someone tell him what I'm dealing with? Did someone tell him the questions I have? Because when he's teaching the Bible, it's like I was the only one in the room. And not only did I finally understand the Bible in a way I'd never, hood, never had, he applied it or she applied it to my life in a way that made sense. Here's what you do with what you've heard. Now as you go... Here's what you need to do. And I started not only hearing, but I started doing. I started putting into practice those things I was learning. Man, it changed our life. It changed my marriage. It changed my parenting. It changed our finances. One of the great testimonies that I love, in fact, we've captured it on video, and it's on our church website, fcbcjacks.com. One day, fcbcjacks and fcbc.life are going to be the same. 
but right now we have two. But we have that video of Kevin and Lisa Holland. Uh, you remember he was a pilot in the United States Navy stationed here at uh, Naval Station Mayport. And uh, they came to our church in a very difficult time in their lives, really down, really struggling. And he really didn't want to come, but it, finally he just said, you know what, we were going to church. His wife, Lisa, about fainted because she'd been wanting to go to church forever, but he didn't want to go. And he came. And in his testimony that you can watch online, he says, I thought Ricky was talking to me. I thought he was just talking to me. And he talked about how that if Jesus died for you, shouldn't you live for him? And it changed their life. It changed their marriage. It changed their family. He's now since retired from the Navy and going back to the Holy Land. He's in Georgia now. And... Uh, <laughs> So, <laughs> so we miss them dearly, but that's the story is that I came, I heard a message that I could understand. He told me how to apply it to my life. I did that and it changed my life. And I think many of you could give that same testimony, that same story, because you see, we instinctively know there's something wrong with knowing what we ought to do, but not doing it. None of us in this room would go to a financial advisor who has filed for bankruptcy in his personal affairs. Yeah, come to me. I know all there is to know about great financial strategy, but do you apply that to your own personal finances? No, no, not at all. Just filed for bankruptcy. My life's a mess. But I can tell you what to do. Most of you are going to say, I don't think I want to follow that guy's advice if he's not willing to practice what he teaches. None of us would want to go to a church where the pastor isn't trying to practice what he preaches. There's hypocrisy there. And no one wants to go to someone's home and go and see a room that is fully dedicated to exercise and good health. They've got every piece of exercise equipment known to man. They've got shelves of books on exercise and healthy dieting. And they've got DVDs of all kinds of exercise regimens. And then you say, wow, you've got a lot about exercise. I know everything there is to know. If you want to know anything, just ask me, do you exercise? No, I don't exercise. I don't, not at all. Then I'm really not interested in learning from you. Why is it then that we give ourselves a pass? We would never go to someone like that, but then we often learn, get more head knowledge, but we don't do anything with it. We won't accept it in someone else, but we excuse ourselves. We come to church. We take notes. We say amen. We say, that was great. I like this preacher better than that preacher. Oh, I go and listen to podcasts, and I read these books, and I've gone to the Passion Conference, and I can't wait for summer camp. And then we learn, get head knowledge. We don't do anything. Jesus says, no, that's, that's not the way to live. The wise way to live is to do something. Look at verse 25. He says about this house built on the rock from the wise man. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. The rock. The storm came. And floods and rain and wind came. And it was a severe storm. But when the storm had passed, the home still stood. Why? Because it was built on bedrock. It was built on a firm foundation. And Jesus is saying, this is life. 
You cannot prevent the storms of life from coming, but you can prepare for them by making the decision today. I'm not just going to be a hearer of God's word. I'm going to be a doer of God's word. I'm not just going to learn from Jesus. I'm going to live for him. That I'm going to base my life on the teachings of Jesus. And I'm not going to look back. And I won't get it perfectly this side of heaven. I know I'm not going to know everything and do everything I ought to do. But the ambition of my life is to found it on Jesus and his word. And when I start making decisions, I'm going to say, what would Jesus have me to do? What has he taught? What has he preached? What does the Bible say? So that I can base my life on the word of God. And it's not a matter of if storms are coming into your life. It's a matter of when. You do know that, don't you? It's not a matter of if. It's when the storms of life will come. I think the storms that Jesus describes here, the rain, the the flood, the wind, I think those represent all kinds of issues that we face. Relational storms. Financial storms. Storms at work. Storms with our career. Storms in the world. Politically or Otherwise, really, this storm could be anything that tests your faith in God. A storm is anything that makes you have to say, what is it that I really believe? What is it that I'm really going to lean on? And Jesus says, when those storms come, you better have built your life on the rock. And if you built your life on the rock of hearing my word and doing my word, You're going to have a good foundation, and you may be weather-beaten, but you will still stand. Just yesterday, I officiated the funeral of one of our church members' daughters. In fact, this is the second time in five years I've had to minister to this same mother and same family as she has lost two of her daughters. And I can tell you this about that family that gathered right here where you sit yesterday. They settled the matter years ago that their family was going to follow Jesus. Their family was going to study the word of God. And their family was going to try to live it by, by the power of God to the best of their ability. And when that family stood here yesterday, one after the other, and they gave a eulogy, every single one said, if it weren't for God, we couldn't go through this. But we have confidence that is unshaken that God is with us. Our loved one is with him and we will see her again. I sat here listening to them thinking they don't need me. I don't have to get up and preach the gospel this morning. I don't have to get up and challenge people. Put your faith in God because the family did it. And they weathered that storm. They're beaten. They're weather worn. They're tired. They've got a million questions. But their faith is strong. There's some of you in this room. I won't call names. But you wouldn't be able to put one foot in front of the other if you hadn't made a decision. I'm following Jesus and I'm applying his word. I don't understand it all. I don't know why things happen like they do. I know I have a lot of questions about the way the world works and where God is at times. But I've made up my mind. I'm going to follow Jesus. And my life is going to be staked on his word. And that's why you're here. And that's why you're withstanding those storms. But I'm afraid there are people in this room that you're, you're leaning on your head knowledge. But you're not practicing what you're learning from Jesus. And Jesus warns us in verse 26. 
And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. You say, oh, how foolish, build his house on the sand. Well, it didn't look so foolish at the time. Skies are blue. Everything is peaceful. It's a beautiful piece of property. He's right next door to this guy who just built his house. Must be a good neighborhood. I'm just going to build my house. But rather than digging deep into bedrock and founding his house on bedrock, he just put it on the sand and assumed that everything that is good today and peaceful today will be that way forever. He was not prepared. He was not prepared. And Jesus says, you know what? If you're hearing me, but you're not heeding my words, you're just like that foolish man. In fact, the word foolish in the Greek is moro, M-O-R-O. It's where we get our word moron from. The little lovely, lowly Jesus is saying, you moron. Sitting here listening to all these things I'm telling you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you in life. I'm trying to, to give you direction that will help build you up and strengthen you and prepare you. And you're not doing anything with what you're hearing. You're so foolish. You think just hearing is enough. It's not enough. you got to do something with what you've heard. Because life transformation doesn't happen just by hearing. Scriptures aren't just given for your information. Scriptures are given for your transformation through application to your life. So he continues, verse 27, about this house built on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house. By the way, he's using the same words he used for the other house. The same storm. Rains fell, floods came, winds blew, and beat against that house. And it, the one built on the sand, it fell. And great was the fall of it. It wasn't just battered. It was destroyed. Great was the fall of it. It was utterly destroyed, but the fall was great because it didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to end this way. If this man would have prepared for the storms by digging deep and finding bedrock and putting a foundation down, he could have withstood that storm. But he, he didn't. And he was utterly ruined. And Jesus says, this is what it's going to be like for you if you just hear me and say, amen. Boy, that was a good message today. He's better than the Pharisees I hear teach every other Sunday. I took a lot of notes. I tweeted his bottom line. He says, if that's all you're doing with what you're hearing, you're foolish. And it may not see that, seem that way today, but when the storms come, your foundation is going to be revealed for what it was. It was just sand, shifting sand. You lived for God when you wanted to. You obeyed his word when you wanted to. But most of your life, you just listened and did your thing. You had a, a shaky foundation. The point I think he's making is his words weren't just given for your information, but for your transformation. But transformation only happens through application. You've got to do something with what you've heard. That's a wise person. And the wisest thing any of us will do today is to make that commitment. 
It's one of the reasons, by the way, I preach like I preach. And I don't mean that I'm a better preacher than other people. It just means my philosophy of preaching is I not only want to expound and explain the Word of God within its context and help you understand what it meant to those original readers. I also want to then illustrate it in a way that you can say, okay, that makes sense to me. I see what he's saying. I understand the Bible better now. But I also preach and teach towards application. Have you ever noticed something? Sometimes I'll kid around, hey, here's your homework. What I'm saying to you is it's not enough for us to have just heard this and amended it and took notes on it and say, wow, that was such a fun message. I really needed to hear it. No, I'm trying to get you to realize now the hard work begins. Now that we have heard, will we be found faithful to do something about what we've heard? So I give you homework. Hey, here's what you do now for your marriage. Here's what you do when you get to the office tomorrow. Here's what you do whenever you open up your Bible in the morning. Here's what you do when you encounter someone at work or at school. I try to give you a way to apply the Word of God to your life. And my prayer is, if I could just give you one way to apply Scripture, the Holy Spirit of God will help you use that and then show you many other ways to apply that Scripture to your life. That's why we create environments around here for children, starting with our preschoolers, to our kids' ministry, to our student ministry, so that on Sunday mornings when you bring them here, they're going to be in an environment where they are hearing the Word of God in a way that they can relate to through music and crafts and drama and teachers who love them. And we take one passage of Scripture for one month And we drive it home in multiple ways and multiple expressions. And then we don't let them leave without showing them one way they can apply what they've learned to their life today. And we send home stuff with parents called Parent Q or or little notes with the kids. Hey, parents, keep this conversation going. At dinner, do this. At lunch, ask this question. When you're going to school in the morning in the car line, why don't you talk about this? Because we're trying to get you to help them learn that it's not enough to learn information. Life transformation happens through application. And we want to partner with you in that. And one of the things that we try to do is to help you gather for worship, but also grow in the Word. So here's your homework. You knew that was coming, didn't you? You just knew it. I was setting you guys up uh, for your homework. Here's your homework. You need to make a commitment today that you will put yourself in a position where you can hear the Word of God and live it out. And there are two primary ways that we can help you with that as a church. One of those is by what we do on Sunday morning in this worship time. I'm going to make a commitment to you as your pastor. When you show up here on Sunday mornings, by the grace of God, we're going to sing words that are based in Scripture and that will draw you to God and teach you why you need to put your faith in Him. I'm going to open up this book called the Bible, and I'm going to teach right out of this book Because you don't need to hear my opinions. You need to hear what God says. And we're going to teach it in such a way that you can apply it to your life. And you need to say, I'm going to make a commitment to put myself in a position to regularly hear the word of God. But also to heed it. To apply it to my life. To actually do it. Not just to hear it. And one of the best ways you can do that is not just come on Sunday morning. But get yourself into a life group. You know what a life group does? 
A life group gives you another environment to dig deeper into the scriptures. Have you ever noticed Ricky never lets you ask questions during the sermon? Because I got, I got just a few minutes. I got to get through all this material. I get paid by the word, you know, not this, but how many words come out. And so, I, you know, and you may ask me a question and put me on the spot, and I realize I don't know the answer, so I'd just rather not do that. So if you have a hard theological question, ask your life group leader. Ask Rob Melano. He'll help you. Ask Bob. But you know what a life group does? A life group gives you a group of people who are all together trying to not only hear what Jesus says, but to actually do what he says. And it becomes a great accountability group. When you're down, there will be somebody else in your group who is doing well who can lift you up and encourage you and inspire you and pray for you and keep you going. When you've got a question, somebody in that group is going to have an answer or know where to go for that answer. And when you guys finish your group time, you haven't just gotten head knowledge. You've gotten a, an environment now where you're going to start practicing what you're learning Don and I have a group that meets on Thursday nights. We don't lead that group. When I go to my group on Thursday nights, I'm not Pastor Ricky. I'm Ricky. And we go to our group led by Scott and Trina Claycomb. And we study the Bible together. And we eat and we pray and we laugh and we have fun. But one thing I love about our group is they don't ever end our group time without saying, okay, now that we've finished, let's go around the room and talk about what we're going to do by, based on what we've heard tonight. Last Thursday night, for example, we're doing a, a new study called Me and My Big Mouth. Why did they choose that? You think it's because I'm in the group? And in this group, it, in this study, it talks about how often we, we're quick to speak and we're slow to listen. And then we get angry and conflict happens. And, and we need to learn how to be slow to speak. Be quick to listen to another person. Try to understand them before we seek to be understood or to defend our rights. And so at the end of the class, or the, the uh, uh, fellowship, uh, Scott said, okay, let's go around the room. What will you do based on what you heard? And when it got to me, I had to say, well, I get paid to talk. And I recognize that sometimes I'm quicker to talk and not as quick to listen when it comes to my wife. And so she's sitting right there and says, so I'm going to work on that. <laughs> I'm going to try not to be the preacher at home. I'm just going to learn to listen and ask questions. And I apologize for those times that I've said stuff that I've had to retract later and say, ah, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. What I'm telling you is this. I'm a better person today because I had a group Thursday night that not only taught me scripture, I already knew it. I've preached that verse many times, but helps me apply it to my life. So if you're not in a life group, I'm going to challenge you. Go to fcbc.life and fill out that Let's Connect card. And put in the comment, I want to join a life group or learn more about it. And uh, we'll help you find one that meets. We have some that meet on Sundays. We have some that meet during the week. We, we have different ages and stages. We'll help you with all that. Take that next step. Because you not only need to hear it, you need to do it. In fact, let's put that back on the screen, that bottom line. And I want you to say it with me uh, together. Say it out loud. The scriptures were not just given for your information, but for your transformation through application. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this reminder from Jesus that the Word of God was not just given for our information, but for our transformation through application. That Jesus said, if you want to make the wise choice, don't just come and hear me, 
that actually do what I say. And it's a foolish thing to hear me, but not to obey me, not to do what I'm telling you, because I'm your Savior, I'm your Lord, I know better. I'm here to help you, not to hurt you. So God, thank you that this morning we can recommit ourselves as followers of Jesus to not only hear his word, but to do it, to put it into practice. And God, we need your Holy Spirit to help us do that. We know we can't do it perfectly. None of us are perfect. But God, we want to do better today than we did yesterday. And we need your Holy Spirit to help us. And we need to put ourselves in a position, in a place where we are actually hearing your word. And we're putting ourselves in a place of accountability where people will help us to actually do it. We're going to leave this place today and we're going to go out into a world that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, will seek to tell us not to do what you've told us to do. In fact, we're often tempted to do the opposite. We need some people that we let speak into our lives just once a week that will help us to learn your word and to do your word. And Jesus, that's why we do what we do, because you commanded us Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And we will be better for it. Our lives will be changed. Our families will be changed. Our culture will be changed. Race relations will be changed. How we look at a neighbor will be changed. Our family legacies of hurt and pain from the past will be changed into a new legacy of faith that is founded on Jesus and his word. So, Father, we commit ourselves to you today. And we thank you and praise you for loving us so much that you've given us your son who has given us your word. And we want to be found faithful to hear it and to do it. If there's someone in this room today who's never received Jesus as their savior. May they turn from their sin today. Put their faith in him as their personal Lord and Savior. And join us in this journey of grace where we learn from Jesus and live for him by his power and for his glory. Amen.